Let's open our Bibles to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. I'd like to say also, I'd like to say thank you very much uh, for your uh, appreciation last week. It was very special, and the gifts you gave were very special. And we, I just want to say thank you and really appreciate your appreciation. So, we've been looking at a, a kind of a, a series on sound doctrine and, and uh, the fact that we have sound doctrine, this teaching, this, this body of truth that we have that God's given to us, obviously, right out of the Bible. But it also applies to life, that it's not just some kind of a, a school that we go to and learn a lot of head knowledge, but it actually applies to our lives, and that's kind of the the, uh, the, the thing that we've been looking at in all the different groups here, the uh, men, women, <clears throat> children, uh, young and old, and, and uh, this idea that we should live it. We should be able to, we should be in, encouraged to live the sound doctrine, even in the most horrible of circumstances, even when it's really, really tough, in the harsh realities. And he said there, uh, if you look at the end of verse 10, he said that they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive in every way. How? By the way we live, by living for Jesus, that we're this light in the darkness. Now today we move on to verse 11. We're going to read 11 through 14. Let's go ahead and read those verses, Titus chapter 2, 11 through 14. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled and upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. We're going to break that down into four different sessions. And so today, the first session, the first section, I should say, is about grace. Because all the things that we've been looking at, you know, uh, how to live, how to serve, and how to put this doctrine into practice, it really, the foundation or the basis of all of it is the grace of God the grace of God. Now, who can tell me what the definition of grace is? Oh, yeah, it's on the screen. Unmerited, someone said, same thing, undeserved. In other words, it's something that is given to us that we do not deserve, that we did not earn. It's unmerited. But, you know, you have to think about this. I know I do. You know, is this idea, do we deserve it? Because when you start to think about it, you know, we sort of think that we do, if we're honest. We sort of think, well, you know, and, I, and I'm not speaking about any of you specifically, but in general, as the human race, really, we kind of think we do. Why? And, and you've heard people say this, well, I'm a pretty good person. I'm pretty good. I, you know, I haven't uh, killed anybody lately. 
you know, I haven't, you know, well, I did cut that guy off on the highway on the way here. You know, I haven't yelled at my wife or my husband today. You know, we, we kind of got this idea that, you know, we're, we're, we're sort of okay, we're sort of all right. And it, it's deep, you know, it's, it's this thing. Uh, and and, and, and if, if you watch uh, commercials, you, you find that they kind of play upon this and they kind of build on it. And they, you know, they, they know where to hit you. Well, you deserve a break today, right? Where? Yeah, see, it worked. You deserve to have that new car. You deserve to have that uh, hair dye. You deserve to look really good. I tried. It didn't help me much. <laughs> you know, you deserve to have all these things that they want to sell you. So when you start to think, yeah, I do deserve that. So then you go down to the store, you, you, you shell out the money, or, or you put it on a card that doesn't have any money. Because you deserve it. Even if you can't afford it, you deserve it. It's kind of the, it's the reality. It's, it's what is this thing within us. Well, I think I, I should have because I'm a pretty good person. It's this, I think, I think what we, what another term we use today is this entitlement mentality. They are calling this the entitlement generation. Yeah, I think we deserve that. The entitlement generation. You know what that means, right? Let me read to you what someone wrote about it. He says, the entitlement mentality is rampant in our culture, and I think it is. It says, I deserve better. I deserve more. I deserve it all. People should take care of me. I'm entitled to more than I'm getting. Why? What did you do to deserve? He says, if we aren't careful, this entitlement mentality even invades our relationship with God. Even our relationship with God. We begin to feel that we deserve something from God, that He owes us something. God owes me. Why? Because I'm so good-looking. I'm so faithful, I give so much because I pray so often, I tell people about Jesus, I, I even go to church. Can you believe that, God? I've been going to church a long time, you owe me, you should give me good stuff because I went to church. Over there on Devil's Foot Road, I even went to a church on Devil's Foot Road. Like, are you kidding but that's kind of how we think. We, we, it's a pride issue, you see, and it's deep. It's very deep within the human psyche and the, the human race. He goes on to say this, nothing could be further from the truth. In reality, what we deserve is what? Death and hell. That's a tough pill to swallow, but the Bible is clear about that. The wages of sin is death. The good news is, is that He doesn't give us what we deserve. Instead, in mercy, He gives us life. He gives us eternity and freedom and forgiveness and hope and love and truth. God is so good. 
So that's kind of the idea that, that Paul is now bringing here to Titus, this idea of grace. It's for the grace of God. In other words, because of the grace of God that brings salvation, that appeared to all men. That's why we can do this. That's why we can talk about this. That's why we can live. Because in thankfulness to what he did, and it all starts with him. He started it. If, it, it, you know, if, if we were going to wait for him to start, keep waiting. Excuse me, for us to start. I got that backwards. Keep waiting. I like what he said here, though, uh, in his final statement about this. He says, our response to all this grace can't be, well, what else are you going to do for me, God? Rather, our response should be, what can I do for you, God? How can I serve and follow you today? In other words, in response to the grace, this free, unmerited, undeserved favor that's upon us. For the grace of God. You see, this verse here, uh, the truth is we don't deserve anything, but this verse here, is it up there? No. Actually, I want to go to the next verse. I'm a little behind myself here. Romans chapter 5. Let's go ahead and turn there because there's a few scriptures about this. I want you to see this isn't just one isolated uh, example of this. So let's turn to Romans chapter 5, and then we're going to look at Romans chapter 3. In, in, the, in the book of Romans, Paul develops uh, this whole concept in a, in a very incredible way, incredible fashion. This idea of grace that, that God gives to us. But look at here in verse, verse 8 in chapter 5 of the book of Romans. He says, but... God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the definition, this is the example, the proof, the, the truth of grace that you and I were flat-out sinners. We were, we were still sinners. Jesus didn't say, well, look, they're doing pretty good now. Let's go down. They were quoting it in... You know, in uh, Spanish there in John chapter 1. Let's go down to the earth and die for them because they're doing so good. Because they're so, you know, incredible. Those humans down there are so incredible. Let's go down and, and, and die for them. Is that what happened? No, it didn't happen that way at all. We were, we were in total rebellion against God. While we were still sinners. This is what grace is. Again, grace gives despite anything in the, the recipient. You see, do you understand what I'm trying to get at here? While we were still sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let's turn back to, to chapter 3 now, if you would. Romans chapter 3, in verse 21, what does it say there? It says, But now a righteousness from God apart from law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by what? His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. 
For all have sinned, he, he, again, he builds this total case here that, that and, and we don't really like to hear that, that all have sinned, that we're all sinners, that we're all basically losers. That doesn't build up your self-esteem, does it? Oh, I'm so sorry. The Bible is not in the self-esteem business. The Bible is in the God-esteem business that, that we find uh, our identity in who He is, not in who I am. He says, for all have sinned, but, but then he talks about the, the free gift of grace. We're justified freely. Free means free, means that we didn't have to pay for it, that we didn't do anything for it. Again, this whole concept of grace. And who does it come to? It comes to all who believe. That's what he says there. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. The grace of God, this foundation, this basis of what it's all about. It says that it brings salvation. We see that here, this righteousness that's apart from law, that it's apart from what we do, that comes to all who believe. So this idea of being rescued, this idea of being saved, it's biblical language that we can't be afraid of. To be saved means to be rescued. Well, to be saved from what? I'm, I'm saved by Jesus Christ. Saved from what? From sin and death, right. From sin and wrath, from death and hell, which we already talked about, that that's what we deserve. So he rescues us from those things. Now you, you know, again, this is not, uh, this is the gospel. This is the, the essence of the truth of God's word. But, you know, if you go to somebody and you say, well, do you know that uh, you, you're pretty much already done for? Already, you're already done for. Now, how well are they going to want to receive that? But if you find someone who's being honest, like the jailer in the, the book of Acts, what did he say? He says, you know, show me the way. What must I do to be saved? What do I need to do to be saved? And what does he say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Not be a good person, do some good things, not that at all. But people don't necessarily like to hear that. But, but that's how you know people are really kind of getting it is when they understand, you know, I'm a sinner. I am a sinner. I need to be saved. I need to be rescued. I'm lost. But if, they, if they're going along thinking, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I got money in the bank. Well, I got some. You know, think about your own life. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. I got a good job. I got stuff. I got people. I got people. I know people. You know, we, again, it's, it's this thing that's just like who we are. We start to think, you know, more of ourselves than we really are. Yeah. And it's not until we get to that place where we say, you know, what do I deserve? I don't deserve a thing. People don't like to hear those words until they get to that place because it's this idea of I don't deserve to hear what you're trying to tell me. Again, 
Let's turn to the book of Ephesians again. Uh, another one of those incredible books, the, the book of Ephesians chapter 2. He talks about it in, again, more detail. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Let's turn there. <clears throat> This is basic Bible 101, people, right? Say, well, I already know all that stuff. You deserve a star for that. Amazing. Have an extra donut. See? It creeps in even by the things that we think we know. Do we really know it? Ephesians 2, verse uh, 4 But because of his great love for us, God, who is, all, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by what? By grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, heavenly places in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And again in verse 8, for it is by what? By grace you have been saved. You can't take any credit for it. Through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. I can never, I can never boast about being saved because it, it he did it. I didn't do it. All I did was receive what He gave me. And I can't even take credit for any faith. He gave me the faith to believe as well. It's by grace. Notice He says that we were dead. We were dead. Well, yeah, but I was kind of alive. Yeah, but I, I kind of, you know, I was kind of uh, you know, working on the whole thing. I was kind of getting it together. No, how could you? You were dead. You were late. You're flat out dead. How can you take credit for anything if you're dead? When was the last time you saw a dead person take credit for anything? I think we try, though. If I could just get up off that table. All those things I did, it's by grace. It's by grace we're saved, not by works. It's that great love. It's that incomparable riches of His grace that we're saved. By the grace of God, for the grace of God. Let's turn back to the book of Titus now, chapter 3. And we're reading about it in chapter 2. But in, in Titus chapter 3, he's also, he refers to it again. He can't seem to get away from this that we need to understand. <clears throat> Titus chapter 3, verse 4. Well, let's look at verse 3. He kind of gives us a little bit of a, a picture here. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. 
So he saw all that and said, oh man, they're really doing good. I'm going to save them. No. He says in verse 4, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. It's by grace. It's by grace that we're saved. It's not by our works. You know, it, it's so, it's so uh, evident when you look through what, what he's trying to say here that we owe him everything because we had nothing to bring to the table. You got nothing to bring to the table. I don't care, you know, how good looking you are, how much hair you have. It, you don't have anything to bring to the salvation table. And some of us, you know, that's why we're not, we, we haven't made it to the table yet because we still think we have something to bring, but we don't have anything to bring. We got nothing. The sooner we realize that, the sooner we humble ourselves, the sooner we will be able to be grateful and thankful people like we talked about last week. That's what we have to be thankful for. That, that's where thankfulness, where, where uh, gratitude begins in our hearts. One or two more verses here I want to look at before we wrap this up. Turn back to 2 Timothy chapter 1, just one uh, book back. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. He says, speaking about God, he says, God who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed. How? Through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. This is the verse we're looking at in Titus chapter 3. When did that happen? It says here that it happened when Jesus Christ was revealed when he came to the earth, and which we're about to celebrate again here at Christmas time, that he came. That's where it started. That's where it all began. That's why we love Christmas. That's why we love Easter, because those two things bring together the hope that we have. If Jesus Christ never came to the earth, what hope would you and I have? None whatsoever. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's Jesus. Why did He come? Because we deserved it? No. I'm not trying to beat you up or nothing, but you didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. Notice he says there that it appeared to all men, and, and uh, some translations kind of move these words around a little bit to make it mean something that it doesn't mean, that 
He appeared, this grace, it appeared to all men, but does that mean that all men are saved? Does it? Some people teach that. That all men are saved? It's appeared to all men, but does that mean that all men are saved? What it means is that it's available to all. It's sufficient for all. It is, it's an offer that's made to all, but not all will receive. It's God's desire that all would be saved. It says that in 1 Timothy, we read that a long time ago when we studied 1 Timothy 2. It's God's desire. He would, he would want all people to be saved. And Peter says it, 2 Peter 3 says, He doesn't want any to perish but everyone to come to repentance. But does that mean that all will? The biggest thing, and this is kind of the, at the heart of what I've been talking about, the biggest thing that keeps people from coming to Him is this pride, where they're, will, they're not willing to bend the knee, to say, I, I, I do need to be saved. I can't save myself. And in the end, only those who truly receive Him, only, only those who truly believe in Jesus Christ as the Savior, will be saved. That's the, that's the heart of the gospel. So let's close with John chapter 3. Again, the most famous verse in the Bible, but let's read a few other verses along with it. John chapter 3, verse 16. Let's start there. If you want to turn with me to John chapter 3, 16 through 18, we're going to look at. John chapter 3. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It ties right in what we read here in John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That everyone would be saved? No, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. In other words, He didn't send His Son in the world to condemn the world. The world is already condemned by what? By sin, by, by just the, what is in us. It's already there. In sin, my mother conceived me. The sin nature was already there. It's not like I was born, and then I got to be two, and then I sinned. It's, it was already there. If you've seen little kids, you know, it, it, you see it before they've turned two. When they turn two, it's just like, it just like, wham, it's like big. But before that, they're already learning to say, no, I don't want to. And then they get a little older, you're not the boss of me. 
I know more than you. You don't, you know, do you have to teach a child how to lie? You don't have to teach them that. You don't have to teach them how to manipulate and deceive. Why? Because the sin nature is already there. We stand condemned already, but whoever believes, Jesus came to save the world. The world that we, you and I could be saved through Him, that as we believe, whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You know a guy named John Newton? You've heard of John Newton. Why do you know John Newton? Amazing Grace, he wrote that hymn, Amazing Grace, and God did an incredible work in his life, and he, he, he never did anything deserving of the grace of God. He never did anything to deserve God's... In fact, he, you look at his story, he did a lot of really, really bad stuff, right? But he, he's remembered for that hymn, but it says this, and he became a preacher in his later years. It says he, he often lost his memory in the pulpit. And he had to be reminded of the subject about which he had been preaching. Now, God forbid that I ever get to that place. I forget things, believe me. But listen to what he said. He said, my memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things. That I am a great sinner and that Jesus is a great Savior. Couldn't remember anything else. Couldn't remember what passage he, he was in. What passage are we in right now? John. He said Titus. I mean, you got to check that memory. <laughs> my, my memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things, that I am a great sinner and that Jesus is a great Savior. Yeah. The grace of God that, that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that because you loved us, you came. Father, you sent your son because you loved us, not because we were lovable, but you just loved us, and it's grace because of grace. We thank you for that, that, that it overrode all the things that you saw when you looked down and saw that we were just sinners, unworthy of any of your love. Father, forgive us for our pride and, and help us to humble ourselves and realize that we're just great sinners, but you're our great Savior. And Jesus, we owe our lives to you. And that because of what you've done, we choose to serve you. We choose to offer you ourselves. Not because you need us, but because you've done so much for us that we want to just give back to you a little bit of what you've given to us. Father, I pray especially for maybe anyone in this room today and, and it might be listening at a future time that if you 
can recognize that you're in great need of a Savior. That you can receive Him now. You can trust Him now. You can simply open your life and your heart and say, Dear Jesus, come in to my life and save me. You are my only hope. Forgive me. I want you as my Savior today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together, all right?